0: Welcome to Everyday Driver, where cars are more than just transportation. They're
1: freedom, a common ground, a way to grow, and can even make life better. We're here to help everyone find a car they love. And discover all the ways they connect us. I'm Paul.
0: I'm Todd. And this is The Car Debate. Happy Friday. Welcome back to the podcast. We hope you've had a good week. And uh, we've actually been shooting this week. We're shooting the beginning of season nine, which will premiere in July. By the way, season That's eight amazing. is still playing.
1: Yeah, it is. It is.
0: On Motor Trend Channel, and actually, it is also on Amazon Prime and Vimeo if you're outside of the US or the UK, and you can get it on Vimeo. But then we have more stuff coming to both YouTube channels. So well, there's a lot going on, but we're
1: also shooting season nine. There we go. That's in addition to the two podcasts a week, two things on two different mm-hmm. YouTube channels, yes. a TV episode, and we're off shooting something else. Because.
0: Wow. Third quarter is going to come up here. The first Saturday of July, we're back with season nine, which is cool.
1: Makes all kinds of sense. Guys, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for joining. We are away. We have stepped away to begin shooting. It's going to be an interesting season. We're still coming up with some ideas. Mainly, it comes down to what's possible. We know the cars we want to drive, but are they, A, in production, be in press fleets and available, mm-hmm. and C, can we get them where we want them? So yeah. it's all you know, kind of a, a game, I And suppose. it's always
0: – we have a little celebration every time one of them really comes together. We're like, oh, that
1: car's available. Let's do that. <laughs> exactly. Every single time it happens, it's great. Quite a couple of car debates here for you. We're starting out with Hannah in D.C., who has an 18-year-old Volkswagen. She's ready for an upgrade, but her husband wants fun. Mm-hmm. So we've got that to get to, and we also have Hyron in Chicago, He is replacing a CTS V-Wagon and an Elise. He is replacing a garage that we would recommend. Most people,
0: would we would just say, go get that garage. That's Mm -hmm. the
1: pinnacle of what we're trying to get to for most people. He's replacing it (laughs) all. He's like,
0: and I'm done. (laughs) That will be fun. By the way, (laughs) did you hear the
1: Porsche news this week?
0: Oh, yes. The GT3 news of all things. Yes. I have to stop here because I am quite surprised.
1: Okay, you're surprised. I'm genuinely
0: surprised. Really? The press news that came out this week is the fact that In the U.S., 70%, 70%, so 7 out of 10 buyers of a Porsche GT3 are ordering with a manual transmission. Now, remember, the last generation, the 991 GT3, first came out PDK only. Right, right. And then halfway through, they decided to put a manual transmission in. A lot of people bought it. In the middle, they sold the stopgap, the the 911R.
1: Oh, yeah, but nobody could afford that. And then
0: everybody could get one. Yeah. Yeah. So... I find it fascinating this 992 generation, GT3, just come out. 70% of buyers are manual transmission.
1: Interesting. You're, you're actually surprised. I this.
0: am genuinely surprised really? because I, I expect that on the high side 50-50. Now, it also seems that that's, this is specific to the U.S. It's not like globally it's 70%. True. It's 70% True. of U.S. buyers are buying a GT3 in manual transmission. I'm glad because we do have a whole save the manuals discussion and we want people to drive manual transmission. I'm just very surprised because I think a lot of people buy them to just cruise to work Yeah, when you'd prefer the PDK. I think a lot of people also buy them to genuinely track them, which if you're going for lap times, the PDK is better. Absolutely. And I say this is a guy that bring on the manual. Yeah, for sure. I would be ordering it in a manual. I want a manual. I'm just I agree. genuinely surprised that 70% of buyers are ordering that car with a manual in the US and I guess I just say
1: bravo and it proves that Porsche spending the money to do it was good thinking. Yeah, I guess maybe I should be more surprised because of that uproar and also Porsche saying, well, we're going to continue to make manuals so cars don't become a speculative investment anymore and we're kind of democratizing it for everybody. So I guess guess I'm glad that people stepped up, buyers stepped Mm -hmm. up to actually take advantage of what Porsche was saying. Look, we're going to make manuals again so they're not so rare, Mm -hmm. even though it still feels rare and... Are the people buying a manual, are they actually tracking those GT3s? That's the thing. I, I, are they, is it just sort of a… Because
0: I would think if you, if you buy a GT3 a manual… Thing you have now. I, that's, I would think it's because you aren't tracking it as much, even though I would, genuinely I would track it with a manual. I would think you wouldn't track it as much. But now is it going to be a car you're going to drive around for fun and take in a, on a commute? And now you'd want the PDK back. It's a weird thing. Right. I will say, keep in mind that the reason that Ferrari stopped making manual transmission is because like 2% of the buyers were picking the manual. Less than 10%, folks. So I expect that if Porsche is going mm-hmm. to have a success in selling a manual, it would be like 30%. But it's the other way around.
1: Well, I'm wondering now, Ferrari stopped doing it how many years ago. 15? Mm-hmm. 20? Close to 20, maybe? A uh, solid 10,
0: because it was solid the end 10. of the 599.
1: Okay, we'll, we'll call it 10 to 12, maybe. Okay, yeah. But now that manuals are a thing they're so much more of a thing. They're so much more beloved.
0: The the I wish we could have it factor. Yeah.
1: I wonder if Ferrari actually started offering it again, would those numbers go back the other way? Even in a, mm-hmm. even back to 30% of buyers or 40% of buyers because Porsche has now proven it. So therefore, That's Ferrari, a great question. Ferrari can't ignore this piece of information and say, there's no more market. No, Porsche is going, look, we did it. We tried it. Mm-hmm. The experiment worked. People actually bought the manual. Yeah, interesting. When when people stopped buying manuals, it was the newfound transmission, the newfound yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. And manuals were assumed to just carry on in every car. And now that they've been taken away from us, for the mm. most part. Would we want them back? That's a good everybody's question. Everybody's going, wait, stop. I'll buy it again. Huh. Don't go away. And so Ferrari came back with the manual now. Would people reconsider their Ferrari order form
0: this is an interesting moment in the podcast. I don't think we've ever had advice for Ferrari before. Huh. But, and, and we got there via Porsche. It's a weird podcast, that but thanks for joining podcast. us. Yeah.
1: When your car needs new brakes, it's a great time to upgrade for better stopping power. We're excited to partner with PowerStop Brakes for an easy way to get more performance from something you already need. PowerStop is on a mission to deliver better brakes on every vehicle
0: in every situation from daily commuting to towing to track days. These are all bolt-on,
1: direct-fit parts for better braking, no modifications required. Every PowerStop Complete Brake Kit comes with all the parts you need to upgrade your brakes, including pads, rotors, and even those little clips and fasteners. Plus, all their pads are made from a carbon fiber ceramic compound, which they've tested extensively to deliver low dust and noise-free performance. So the next time you
0: need brakes or you simply want to upgrade, visit PowerStop.com and enter your vehicle's information into their easy-to-use car finder. We even found great kits for our SUVs and our cheap sports cars. Give your everyday driver the easy and affordable performance upgrade it deserves at PowerStop.com.
1: Starting off the debates with Hannah in D.C., she says her husband talks about us and the podcast constantly. (laughs) Thank you, and I'm sorry. (laughs) Good news. We're giving you more reasons to talk about it again. Yeah, for sure.
0: You're listening now.
1: But thanks for writing, really. They have listened to a few of our car debates together, and they are faced with what she thinks is an interesting challenge, and they're both at a bit of a loss at what options to look at, Look at, or should they just wait a little bit longer? Okay. Hannah's 32. She still drives her very first car she got in college. Wow. She says she's a 2003 gray Volkswagen Jetta, and Hannah loves her so much, her name is Baby. Okay. Okay but she can vote. The car is old. The car is old. Here's how old the car is. Hannah listens to her phone in the car via the tape deck with the wire poking out of it.
0: (laughs) I I actually forgot they made that tech and it still worked. I thought that tech itself had died. It's moving on works.
1: Hannah makes it work. Her father hulked the glove compartment handle off by accident. 10 years ago. (laughs) Did he not know that it wasn't hard to open the glove box? He tore the handle off.
0: What was he going for, by the way? This is the. I, I want to hear the story. led up to That's the moment when story. Dad is sitting there, in the pasture side, with the handle in his, and, and looking and look at all sheepish, like I'm sorry. What happened?
1: here's this back? What happened? Anyway, sometimes baby likes to drop a gear until Hannah turns her off and then back on again.
0: That sounds very reliable.
1: <laughs> but. Hannah is extremely emotionally attached to baby. It's hard not to be after 13 years and over 130,000 miles together. Wow. Okay. All right. Hannah's husband works for a fleet company and is often driving very fancy, much newer cars. Okay. He commented yesterday that he can't remember the last time he drove baby and wasn't sure he remembered how it was inside. I'll tell you old, (laughs) just so you know, old. Well, Hannah's husband, if you want to plug your phone in, it's a process. (laughs) How this works. Sort of like the meeting of the the tech from the future combined, like with a a, a VCR or something.
0: Like <laughs> it is like a time machine in her car. Huh, yeah, these things don't plug into. By each the way, other. the glove box doesn't open like you hope.
1: Exactly. She had a scary incident. Hannah had a scary incident not too long ago where the engine was misfiring. She fixed that, but it makes her think: at what point is investing so much into an older car that has a limited lifespan still worthwhile? Right now. Baby is not being driven very often, but she te- technically needs new tires, the timing belt and water pump replaced, new rear brakes, some rust repair, a new bumper, and that's all before addressing the aforementioned glove box handle or the key whose loop fell off, so it doesn't actually hang on a keychain at all.
0: I mean, honestly, hmm. half that list, half of the list, is more than the car is worth. Yes. The entire list is a couple times what the car is worth. Yes. Keep going. Baby
1: doesn't have great range compared to modern <laughs> newfangled cars.
0: Doesn't have great much compared, honestly. Not let's, only is it broken,
1: <laughs> it doesn't get good range. Yeah, it drive on top well. of everything
0: else, it's not working well. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Should Hannah just bite the bullet and get a new car when they've both saved up enough? They're in quite a pickle, they said. Hannah generally tries to be eco friendly where she can be. Okay. She knows we've spoken about a little bit in terms of how far down the rabbit hole do you want to go on various things. It's important to Hannah that she does things that will limit her environmental impact on the world within reason. They're a one-car family, and she says during normal times, they use public transportation a lot. They use lots of reusables in their house rather than disposable. Okay. But she says she knows it's not, not possible to be 100% eco-friendly in all things. So she's okay with that so long as she's making an effort to try it, You know, at least in the areas she can control. So she's planning for her next car to be an EV or a hybrid. She's planning this for a long time. I want to say,
0: Hannah, that the fact that you've had one car for so long, you deserve a new one. I mean, let's be honest. You have, you have not consumed cars for, the, for more than 15 years. <laughs> yeah. So most people, ourselves included, have traded off multiple cars in that time. We're, we're consuming Indeed. like crazy. If, if you keep cars this long, if you got a brand – I'm just going to put this out there. If you've got a brand-new car right now that wasn't an electric car, you're probably still going to keep another 15 years. You're consuming less than most people listening to this. I'm just putting that's, that out there.
1: That's a great point. We're
0: still going to talk EVs, though.
1: Well, a few months ago – Hedda's husband became enamored with Rivian.
0: They're awesome.
1: They are a very cool car, she says. Very distinctive, eco-friendly. She's all about that. But a price tag, mm-hmm. high price tag. Yeah. She says, I'm not here for that. Plus, she, she would prefer to remain a one-car family. So instead, they st- started discussing combining their car-saving efforts to buy one car together. Okay. Her husband is the car guy, so she's giving him most of the latitude to choose whatever car he wants. Mm. But she says, I do have two little requirements. The car is comfortable to drive, so she's not like a child driving a boat.
0: (laughs) Interesting descriptor, but okay. Hannah, I'm I'm a
1: visual person, and that is just, I I get it. I'm right there. It's either hybrid or electric. She misses baby's younger days when she was zippy and peppy and fun, but she thinks anything newer is going to feel that way after driving baby for so long. Probably. Indeed. (laughs) Explicitly, I think. So. His primary requirement is that it's fun to drive and good looking. He especially likes cars that come in red, even though she's not above having a car wrapped if it doesn't come that way stock.
0: Now here's the twist: she comes to something here though. I have <clears> to stop the po- I have to stop the discussion. Full stop. Everybody, <laughs> just take a breath. <laughs> Wait, because you're all thinking exactly what we're thinking, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that is okay. We've got a budget. We haven't mentioned it yet. We got a budget between thirty and forty thousand dollars. She'd like an electric car. She's going to go get a Tesla.
1: It just seems to come naturally. It's yes. the elephant
0: in the room. It mm-hmm. just seems like...
1: Go buy a Tesla, guys. Debate over, right? Can't get a Rivian. Go buy a Tesla. Then we have a problem. <clears throat> Except she writes to us here. And she says, absolutely no Teslas. My brain
0: halted when I read that sentence. I had to st- like back up a couple paragraphs and try again. <laughs>
1: Hannah says, as far as lifestyle goes, they have a dog who's middle-aged. So when he gets older, it would be valuable to have a car that's not too difficult for them to help him up in. Mm -hmm. Children are non-issues. They can't have them. But she does like going to conventions, which can sometimes mean packing up a car with costumes and luggage And her husband likes taking RC trucks to the trails. So enough space to get stuff in is what she's saying here. So Comic-Con and off-roading is what you're not Exactly what I'm thinking. Okay, good to know. It's exactly what I'm thinking. They routinely drive up to 200 miles in the, quote, before times to visit family. So a car that can make the whole trip without needing to stop and charge would be ideal Mm -hmm. as Todd mentioned the budget here is 30 to $40,000 and no Tesla's yeah no Tesla's and she says with a nicer newer car that does come the higher insurance rate so it seems like this price range will be a monthly payment they can afford after some sort of down payment chunk although you know they need a reasonable insurance cost after that too so the question is what are our thoughts Mm. is there something the market in their price range and hopes that it is pretty cool and if not now Will there be soon? Mm. Is there anything worth waiting for or saving extra for, continuing to save mm-hmm. with the hopes it will be cool and desirable? She'd really love some help working through potential options and our thoughts, along with the greater question of, what about baby? <laughs> I love it, Hannah. This is Anna, fantastic. Very,
0: very funny, Mel. Thank you guys for listening. I, I'm, I'm glad to have you with us. And the tough love part is that babies, it's time to go. It is. There, it there, is. There's, there's Honestly, if... You said she was running great. She's awesome, but she's old. I don't know if I should let her go. I think it would be a bigger debate. But the list you've got here of stuff that needs to be done to get her up to running properly, there's no point in spending that money. Yeah, the car's sitting. Yeah, agreed. Well, but, but honestly, even if they spent all that money, that car's still going to be every bit as old as it is. <laughs> You right. haven't even fixed the tape deck and the, and the glove box yet. You've just fixed all the underpinnings, and the car's worth nothing.
1: You'll yeah, never get yeah. that money back. So now is the time to jump. I have an idea for you, Hannah, and that is talk to a frame shop. And with all the photos that you've taken of that car, okay. bring those photos together and some piece of the car. Maybe it is the door glove box handle. <laughs>
0: You have the handle for the glove box. This is what dad ripped off the car. Just thought I'd keep it.
1: Maybe, maybe it's that piece that's put together in some sort of creative shadow box.
0: I see it. I see it. And
1: this is your, your thing. Mm-hmm. This is where you hang it in your office, and it's just sort of like, that was my car. Mm-hmm. Here's a piece of it. Yeah. That was
0: us. The memories don't Moving go. On. That's the thing about when yeah. the car goes, is that the memories and the photos and the fun that you have with that car, yeah. that never goes. And I think we all collectively think, I have to keep that car because of the stuff I did with it. But – Newsflash, especially to me, the car doesn't remember. By the way, the car has no idea. <laughs> you remember, and when the car goes, you have
1: the memories. I, I'm not saying rip the steering wheel off and mount it on your wall, Probably but not. the car doesn't run right now, so maybe it's time to take the donation. Or mm, interesting, all right. I, mm, I don't know that any money that you put into it will justify your efforts in trying to sell it.
0: Yeah, I don't think so.
1: So I think it's time for baby to go. Keep a piece of baby. Mount it, frame it, a photo, your favorite top three, top five memories with that car. Very fun. Here's the glove box handle. Here's a picture of your dad ripping it off. (laughs) (laughs) I really do like this. This is fun. We usually love the hybrid version of Toyota products. Yeah. It depends on the Toyota vehicle, though. It's a tool for the job. It drives well, plenty of tech, well-built, looks good, and has good miles to the gallon. Mm -hmm. Good MPG. Now, I do want to differentiate in various cars that are coming at us the hybrid, just a straight-up hybrid, versus the plug-in hybrid. Mm-hmm. The plug-in hybrid will give you a limited battery-only range. And I'll start off with the Toyota RAV4 Prime. Hmm. This is a, a full plug-in hybrid. It gives yeah. you 42 miles of electric-only range, and it's somewhere in the 44 overall total, 44 miles to the gallon range. It's surprisingly good. It's
0: the best RAV4 out there right now, I would say. We've uh, driven them all. Yeah. And I really like the hybrid version, but the Prime is superb.
1: It's, it's the, the it best really one. It really is. Now, it's going to be a little bit past $40,000, maybe yes. a few thousand past 40000 it will be. But I'm saying, I think it will justify your future needs for packing mm-hmm. a car, for an, an aging and elderly dog, and just the adventures you're going to want to go have with this thing. I like the plug-in hybrid for you because it will give you that feeling of just battery-only power. And maybe Mm -hmm. you can just, you know, short commutes, short distances. You're just rolling on electric. Great. But then it's still a real car. It's still that long-distance road trip thing. And it is so well-built. I think it's the best it's ever looked. It looks now the part. It looks rugged and it feels Mm -hmm. tough and, and more substantial. But it still gets great MPG and plenty of tech. And it doesn't even come with a commemorative tape deck wire thingy. It
0: doesn't. Those are That tech has moved on.
1: It, we really have. I'll mention some others. The Toyota Highlander Hybrid. The Toyota Venza is now only a hybrid. True. As so. is the Sienna. But you get the idea where Toyota's going, don't mm-hmm. you? Yeah. And they're doing it really, really well. It's surprising to both Todd and I that when the hybrid version of something shows up, we go, ooh, wonder what that's going to be like. Yeah. yeah We're not yeah. saying it's a, in a lease or in a Cayman. No. We're not saying that it's the... You know, let's take it to the track and, you know, our favorite handling car ever. <laughs> but neither is to, Hannah. But yeah. But that's not what we're looking for. It's when it checks all those boxes and still looks good and does all these things and then it supersedes. It surpasses all your mm-hmm. expectations. And then you think, that's pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. People should own these. They yeah. do well. Yeah. Now, Hyundai and Kia are generating lots of interest with various product offerings. I'm noticing the recently announced IONIQ 5, mm-hmm. full battery electric. I, I think it's going to be initially higher sales in Europe than it will be in the U.S. Sure. at this point. Yeah. But it's intriguing because that wheelbase is pretty long. The proportions give it away. It's actually a lot of space in that. But I will come to a few others, just ideas for you. Chevy has released their newly updated Bolt with a claim 250-mile range. We love the first gen. The last one got over 200 miles. Yeah. It's excellent. We really like it. Volvo has some good products. Uh, We really like that S60, but it's $64,000. It's quite
0: out of your budget, yes.
1: But the Volvo XC40 Recharge, which is now Volvo's term for pure electric and their hybrid cars, starts okay. at $54,000. I'm spending more of your money. You are spending lives. more, yes. But you did write to this podcast. so I'm This just, is true, and this know, is Paul responding. So, yeah. At least I'm consistent. You are. Well done. <laughs> so I'm take a look at those. But the car that I think if you both really pool your money that will satisfy your husband's need for fun and looks and your need for everything you've mentioned, Hannah. We haven't driven it yet, but we're about to. It's the Ford Mustang Mach-E. The GT flavor could be the sweet spot for both you and your husband. It's made for, hey, it's not just the base car. It's the GT flavor. It's like getting a Mustang GT. Mm -hmm. You didn't just get a Mustang. Oh, you got the GT. (laughs) Oh, you're a person (laughs) of discerning taste and driving ability. Who are you? Yeah, yeah. That's where the GT will shine. They're going to be expensive, more than you want to pay. But that's where the tech is right now. Mm. It hasn't come down in price enough to be democratized to kind of do what that Volkswagen did for you. So be prepared. Just continue to save. But those Mustang mach are on the market.
0: Interesting stuff. You and I did not, with one exception, we really didn't overlap at all on this, which I'm surprised by. I expected we were just going to both pick Teslas and be done because they are kind of the shoe-in right now for the combo of EV and fun. I mean, they are the the pinnacle of that at the moment. We're very excited about various manufacturers bringing out electric cars. I'm excited for the first ones that really have a fun focus you could argue the Taycan is the first really fun all-electric car, but okay, that sure. is in a totally different category than what we're talking about here. They are quite high in price. We're talking about forty grand and less. Yep. I will say that I do think you should take a serious look at the Chevy Bolt. You already mentioned it, but I'm yes. going to say, you could get a couple-year-old one right now for half your budget. You could, absolutely. And I yeah. actually do wonder if buying an all-electric car, you might want to think that way, Hannah. I know you're conditioned already because of baby to buy a car and have it for 15 years, but the problem is, with electric cars right now is like your phone, they're becoming really dated in a couple of years because the tech is moving so fast.
1: See what you're saying. You don't want Hannah to be driving a tape deck with a wire thingy poking out of it. Yes, in 15 yeah.
0: years from now, it yeah. was a first-gen electric car. So I'm kind of wondering about if you could spend half your budget, and I have two for you that I think are really compelling. The first one is get yourself a Chevy Bolt, like a one- or two-year-old one. It's good. It isn't. It isn't some sort of dynamic standout. But that power is really compelling. It is. I have a friend of this podcast. She drives a bolt, and she loves. She just goes hunting.
1: She's turned into a street racer.
0: Yes, she, she just goes doesn't hunting. just go hunting. She's turned into a hooligan now. She, but but here's the thing: she's a street racer for zero to thirty, leaving the light. <laughs> she, she likes nothing better than to be side by side with a big V eight at the light, and she kind of nods at him like, "You want to go."
1: It's all. Because
0: 0 to 30, they can't touch her. Yeah. yeah. So the, the Bolt has a surprising amount of personality for you wanting cargo space. I think it's a great call there, and it is going to get over 200 miles of range. Even if you get the very first year, when to get over 200 miles of range, you could do all your road tripping. I think that's a real fine for you at about twenty grand. Mm. If you'd like something a little more sporting, look at a used BMW i3. Now, a couple problems here. You need to get okay. the i3S because – that is a little more sporting in character. Still, I mean, still not a great sports car, but the i3 is rear wheel drive.
1: It is, yes, and it
0: has a little bit more of a sporting character than the Bolt.
1: Okay, okay. I'm
0: dealing in small shades of range here because it still is an electric car first. The problem with it is it can't do 200 miles. Yeah, I'm concerned about that yeah. range with that. I, I now, like it. It's you just can that range you can get them something. with the uh, the range extender, which is essentially it. Then goes kind of like the old Chevy Volt did, where it then goes to an electric motor and it extends your range. You can do that, and those are still out there. Now, again, these cars are 45 to 50 grand new. Get a used one for 25. You've got your choice. Mm. So you can get okay. an i3. Get it, get it with the range extender if you need it. But if, if your usage is going to be 150 miles or less, the i3 is very compelling, especially the i3S for better handling. Also, you can upgrade the tires. Now, all of these things improve the fun, reduce the range. Right, right. So be careful of that, which leads me to wild cards, okay. which aren't electric at all. Oh. Because I was thinking about just miles per gallon. And you kind of told your husband, you can get whatever you think we should, but you're concerned about the environmental impact. So I thought about what about something that gets genuine miles per gallon and is fun because it's not that big. The okay. first one I thought of is a Mini Cooper. Yeah, yeah. You can get 30 plus miles to the gallon at 35. Some of the earlier ones, we'd get 40.
1: Okay, okay. So while we
0: aren't all electric, we are still gasoline. But again, if you're going to buy I think whatever car you're buying, honestly, Hannah, tough love now. Two, three years. That's how long you're going to have it. And you're going to move on.
1: Even plug-in hybrid or battery electric vehicle? I think
0: think the electrics are almost a guarantee because I think the tech is moving so fast. It
1: is moving very fast,
0: So uh, think about the car for the next two or three years because I also think in two or three years, your husband's going to want to move on as well car wise. So mm-hmm. let's think in those. Let's not think 15. I don't think we're shopping for the 15 year car. I agree car. with that. I, uh, yeah. So not Mini for Cooper it. running 35 miles a gallon, nice hatch space, fun to drive. But while we're there, this is my favorite wild card for you because I think you want a car with some personality and your husband wants a car that's fun to drive. And I can meet all of those with good gas mileage without being electric. The problem is there's not a lot of space for your stuff. Okay. But go get a Miata. Get an Indy 2 Miata. You've really? got the money to buy a new one.
1: Buy okay, yourself. Well, if they do a Bolt and a Miata combo, some sort of mix and you're match. You're right. They could do both for the money. For you're the right. money. They if we're spending do, 40. You're right.
0: You could do that. If you did 40, you'd get a couple year old. You wouldn't get the new engine, but you get a couple year old ND Miata, and you could do a Bolt. You're right. You could do both. I mean, That's now I'm
1: breaking your one car only rule hand. Yeah, but, for sure. But, you know, but we're here to break but rules. But I'm still
0: thinking that Miata's regularly get more than 35 miles to the gallon. Yeah, You're not trying hard you broke 35. I mean, don't True. do it in the mountains because we never get that up here. But right. come on, 35-plus miles to the gallon in a Miata, that is crazy fun to drive. I think, Hannah, you will fall in love with that car because it is so endearing and fun to drive. Mm. It doesn't have a lot of space for your costumes in the back, I will acknowledge. It doesn't have a lot of space for your husband to take major off-roading, I, I admit. But <laughs> – I don't think the admired. dog might have to stay
1: home. Yeah. Well, you know, my
0: dogs can no longer ride in a fun car. Neither one of them has ever been in the Lotus. They're like, what is that yellow thing? Anyway, yeah, with the big head tilt while they yeah, do it. Like, what yeah. is that? Anyway, so the big thing is there's a level of environmental friendliness that is involved in just sheer miles per gallon. And I say that because the market at this point is still limited in electrics. And it I think is. The car yeah. you guys absolutely want doesn't quite exist yet. So I can go into electrics and solve some things. I can go into something like a Miata and solve others. You guys find the middle ground there, but there's my list.
1: That's a good list. In any case, clearly, Hannah, you're going to suddenly find yourself joining an underground street racing club. Mm -hmm. So send photos when you do. We wish you all success in the world. And if you've got your own debate like Hannah's, write to us, everydaydrivertv at gmail.com. Your topic Tuesdays, your car debates, your car conclusions. Love to hear it all. Every winter we find ourselves tracking snow, salt, and grime into our cars. Thankfully, Covercraft has a variety of floor mats to keep you winterproof. Covercraft floor
0: mats and cargo mats are custom fitted to your exact car and include the original equipment security grommets if applicable. They're the perfect and durable way to protect your car's carpet and add style and comfort
1: to your interior. Plus, you can choose from many color and material options to complement or contrast the interior colors of your car or truck. Covercraft is sure to have what you need. They offer plush carpet, Berber carpet, or even sheepskin, which is warm in the winter and cool in the summer. Whatever mats you choose, remember to
0: use the code EVERYDAY21 at checkout to receive a 10% discount and free shipping from Covercraft.com. Hyron writes with a car debate that starts in an odd place. (laughs) He currently (laughs) owns currently owns a Cadillac CTS V wagon. I did not say if it's a manual but but it's really one of those cars where we just said, "Why don't people make more of these?" He owns that. Before that, he sold a Lotus Elise that was his daily prior.
1: This is like the Pinnacle Garage that yes. we tra- the recipe that we try to push people towards when finding the balance of space and comfort and luxury and power and handling and all the- these are kind of the holy grail cars.
0: He's telling, and, and of course, as we all know, the CTSV wagon and the Lotus Elise couldn't be more different. So, what he's saying is, I like this combination. He's saying he'd like the next car to be like 80% what the CTSV is and maybe 20% what a Lotus Elise was. Mm-hmm. He's also feeling like the CTSV is just flat out too much car for him.
1: Who wants to buy a Cadillac CTSV wagon? We don't know mm-hmm. the year, but hiring, selling. Write to us if, uh, if you're interested.
0: This budget is, 40,
1: is fifty grand, which is a good budget. We've got room to run here. We do. Well, the, the new car that we're shopping for Hyron will be used for short commutes, weekend drives, and the sporadic track day. Okay. He occasionally needs back seats for a pair of petite kids, preferably a manual, and he wants a car that he glances back
0: We want at. that for you, too, for sure, for sure.
1: Hiram's car history includes a 1991 Mitsubishi Gallant VR4. I thought there was, those were so cool. They were
0: very cool. I always liked those. That was Mitsubishi in its prime. So many things they made were great at that point. He also had a 96 Mitsubishi Eclipse GSX, also very cool. And then they put Gallant
1: seats in an Evo and called it good.
0: That was, uh, yeah, this is how the mighty have fallen right there. Yeah. And then they stopped <laughs> oh, making me. the Evo. And so there's some, I don't know if you saw it, somebody sent us this list. Somebody's selling like the last year Evo for like 150 grand. Yeah. And it's gone nowhere because it's hundred and fifty
1: dollars I thought it had the Gallant seats, that's why. Well, are like, I'll buy
0: it. Oh, Gallant seats. So seriously? Yeah. They they should <laughs> that's the number one reason to walk away right there.
1: He's also got a well, had a 2005 Infiniti G thirty five, this aforementioned 05 Lotus Lease, and the current twenty eleven Cadillac CTSV wagon. There it is, 2011. So who it's wants It's a good a list. Wagon? It's a
0: very good list.
1: His wife commands a twenty nineteen Volvo XC sixty. He says, Paul, it's white just for you.
0: (laughs) They are cool. The XC60s are good.
1: They're great. And that car's going nowhere. His wife is very
0: happy with her white XC60.
1: His short list includes a BMW M2 and M3, F80 Series M3, a Porsche 911, a a Mm 997.2, and a Ford Focus RS. Okay. Iron says, Todd, I've not done my homework yet, but plans to as soon as COVID and the Chicago weather cooperate. Okay. Hyron's a longtime subscriber to the YouTube channel and podcast. Hiran, thank, you, thank you so much for writing in. really appreciate your email and trusting us with your with your next car here. He says the CTSV has been great, but it's again, more power than he needs. It's time to do something after two years of browsing Auto Tempest, <laughs> Anybody else like to raise their hand after two years of browsing Auto Tempest? Well but we do constantly yeah we're not yeah, even yeah, buying
0: right. this minute, but we still are just looking. I, the number of times sorry, the number of times I'm sitting editing it's like 11.30 at night. And I think of a random car. I'm like, what are those going for now? Exactly. And for the next half hour, I've gone. And then I look up, it's like 12.30. I'm like, well, there was an hour now. Like, Shouldn't Darn I get it. back to color correction? i got to edit. This piece comes out tomorrow. But I've been lost for an hour.
1: Yeah, it happens. <clears throat> well, Hyren, you have stated the recipe for a nine eleven at the beginning of your email when you said, petite kids with back seats, preferably a manual, and a car you glance back at, all for $50,000. That is yeah. a 9 recipe If I've ever heard one, please go look at one. Mm -hmm. If you decide that is not the direction you'd like to go, I do love that M2. I thought of a Toyota Supra, but it doesn't fit your backseat needs. True, true, true. And so I came to the car mm, that I think you should get, but you're going to have to bring more money. Oh, that happens often with you. Nobody's surprised. Yeah. It's a BMW 1M. Oh. For, yeah, for merely ten thousand dollars more, Hiren. But it's going to go nowhere in value. It's no money. <laughs> it is no money. No money at all. You, it'll be well bought. It comes with seats, a steering wheel. I'm quoting a, an auctioneer from uh, a Pebble Beach auction we heard one time. It comes with seats, a steering wheel, the whole nine yards. <laughs> like
0: what? <laughs> but when said in a British accent, you suddenly they go, "Oh, he really knows what he's talking about."
1: <laughs> Makes it all better, apparently. A BMW 1M, at least sixty grand. but then you have a 1M. Mm-hmm. I guarantee you, you're going to park, boop, boop, and you're going to look back at that thing because yeah, it's yeah, this yeah. snarly thing waiting for you to come back and drive it, is, it. for sure. You're right. Boy, back seats. The kids will be plastered up against either window or the back window or something if you don't belt them <laughs> in Did properly. you ever play
0: the, the game with your sister, your side? It's that game every <laughs> single quarter. Yeah. <laughs>
1: exactly. Yeah, maybe you can do the the tape down the middle of the seat. It's going to be lost on them. Yeah. Yeah, I'm thinking 1M because what a rare beast. And as Todd just said, you're not going to lose money. You're that's parking true. your money. That's true. Yeah. And you're going to enjoy it for a while. And this could be the sweet spot between hmm. if we put the CTSV and in a lease in the kettle and we melted it down and poured it into a new mold. <laughs> so, well, there's no Porsche badge in there, but that's okay. <laughs> okay. It's still German. It's interesting. They're rare. Mm-hmm. If you can find one, you got, you're got. you going to have to look hard. And when it comes up, people want it. They yeah, are interested. For sure, for sure. There's a good reason. They're just awesome. There's fun. That's good. Cackling will become a regular part of your life. You're just going to cackle for no reason.
0: Honey, I'm going to cackle down, down to the grocery store. You need anything? Kids
1: going are going to wonder what happened to dad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Figure to laugh though, It'd be good. <laughs> My wild cards for you are a Honda Civic Type R and an Alfa Romeo Giulia Quadrifoglio.
0: Ooh, that's a good choice. Those have come down in price a lot. They are they're into this range for sure. They will they also are, sustain the cackling. They are compelling.
1: They are compelling. They're
0: really compelling.
1: If you're bringing fifty grand to the yeah, table, you're right. Civic Type R, I'm saving you money. Giulia Quadrifoglio is like sure. My only
0: concern with the Quadrifolio is the fact that he feels like the CTSV was too powerful for him. The Quadrifolio feels quite powerful, but I will say this. I sort of I actually think, that, think I know yeah. you did, I actually think that the current M3, the F80 M3 you're looking at, is wrong for you, because I think it's going to feel every bit as too big and too powerful as your CTSV. Yeah, the Quadrifoglio yeah. is going to feel as powerful, but believe it or not, it rotates and feels so much lighter than the M3
1: that you might be okay with it. There's also cars that we note that have a lot of power that you think, oh, that's a big number. Ooh, I'm going to kill myself. That's it's, yeah, going to be unwieldy and mm-hmm. hard to handle and hard to live with. Not always the case. Depends on the car. Depends mm-hmm. on how it carries itself. Sure, For sure. For example, the GT2 RS Porsche. Crazy power. 700 horsepower.
0: Which, in a, keep in mind the fact that 911s, when they have like 200 horsepower less than the competition, are still faster than the competition. This yeah. is a 700 horsepower 911.
1: And you think, wow, we're just going to – it's going to be hyperspace, we, interstellar. We kind
0: of looked at each other when we drove that car and kind of went, you know, be careful.
1: <laughs> we both proceeded to drive that car very quickly. <laughs> yeah. And then we got out and thought, well, that was usable and fun. Easy. And- Easy to drive. So it just depends on the car. But that 1M, there's going to be cackle moments, Mm -hmm. but it's still only 320 horsepower. Yeah. Turbocharged goodness. It's still like a little sedan. People might call your car cute. That's okay. Or ugly. The the 1M
0: is one of those eye of the beholder cars. Yeah.
1: It really is. But either way, they're going to look at it. You're right. That's good. So 1M?
0: I see it. The thing about the M2, I will say this to you, Hiram. The thing about the M2 is get a very early one. And they're surprisingly inexpensive now because they the competition are. with the engine upgrade, you don't even need that. Get the early ones. They're still fun. They're still fun. They're very good. In fact, I was going to say, if you feel like things are, are a little too much, you should also cross shop and drive the M240i. Okay.
1: Because we've driven okay, that in yeah. multiple
0: variants, yeah, yeah. and it's actually very good. Get that with a stick shift. Drive that and drive the M2. See which one strikes you better. I think an early M2 is a good choice for you. I, I like the Focus RS. Very cool car. Very aggressive character. I... I wonder if it's too aggressive for what you want because the ride on that is genuinely harsh. Mm. And I'm wondering, since you're saying you want 80, 80% what you had in the Cadillac CTSV and 20% a lease, I feel like that Focus RS might be more of a 50 50 equation. So I don't know if that's right for you, but that made me think of a couple of other hatchbacks that might work for you. Focus RS is an option, but please drive the Civic Type R and the Veloster N. Mm, Both of those are mm-hmm. great competitors here that would be just genuinely fun in all the dad duties if you want even less aggressive than those, you need to drive the brand new mazda three all wheel drive turbo It is good. It is definitely eighty percent toward the enjoyable nature of the Cadillac okay yeah, but it's not going to be unwieldy it's got a surprising amount of power but that that's now you're getting more into a nice car than you are into a crazy car right, okay right. I think the the type R and the Veloster n are much more hair on fire and fun if that's where you're going. But in the full, more more fun category, I already mentioned him too. You mentioned the uh, 911. I'm going to circle back to that. We're talking about the 05 to 2012, the 997. Now he's actually talking .2, which is like oh nine.
1: Point .2 and 09 So up to the 20 second half yeah. of
0: that generation yeah. of the 911. That's before they got bigger in the 991. That's a that's a compelling car. Now I will say. Yeah. The nine nine one, watch our fifty years of nine eleven. That was when the generation got genuinely bigger. I know we're in the nine nine two now, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which really isn't that much bigger. The nine nine one is the big jump.
1: It did size. change at that size, and yeah. at the
0: nine nine one is when the back seats got genuinely usable. The nine nine seven has back seats, but they are only little kid seats.
1: I mean, kids will grow. But they they do. So yeah. just
0: keep that in mind. Yeah, I think there's a car for you that may be coming up though.
1: Oh yeah. I think
0: you might be the right buyer, Hiron, for the upcoming eighty six chassis, the new BRZ that's been announced. Interesting. Because it is the elise in thinking in a lot of ways, but it's very usable. It's more usable than the nine eleven.
1: We don't know what's happened to the interior on that. We don't know it's, how it's much gotten a little better. more
0: space there is. I'm I'm curious about it. But that was a car that has a surprisingly good usable back seat. The backseat folds down, gives you a big trunk. It's not going to feel overly powerful, but it also isn't going to feel disappointingly powerful based on what we know right now.
1: Right. This is not going to feel disappointingly
0: powerful, which was the problem with the last one. This has an upgraded engine. Everything we've seen and heard, Jason Kamisa even had a piece on it where he talked about how he's convinced based on what he knows math-wise, why he thinks it's going to be good. Uh, Jason Finsky, all the Jasons like it. Jason Finsky said the same thing. (laughs) So theoretically, it's going to have enough power now, but it still has a usability that the Elise will never have.
1: Mm-hmm. True. So
0: I actually True. wonder if you
1: might be the right guy for that. It's interesting. I like this. Iron, let us know. Looking forward to your email. Our friends at Griot's Garage
0: have got a new line of ceramic products to make your car care easier and more satisfying than ever. You can start with the new ceramic wash and coat, an ultra slick formula that can be used with either the bucket wash method, the foaming sprayer, the cannon, or whatever Paul has come up with now.
1: We take speed shine with us on every single shoot. It's the ultimate for quick detailing, and now it has ceramic protection too. Ceramic Speed Shine maintains a slippery gloss finish in between your main washing and protection days, and they even have ceramic trim wipes for long-lasting protection on plastic trim. Try any of these products individually or use them as your new wash routine. They're
0: 100% guaranteed, and all the liquid products from Griot's are made in the USA. And don't forget to use the new code EDRIVER when you're ordering from griotsgarage.com. Our audience gets 15% off liquids and 10% off everything else. That's Griots, GRIOTS. Enjoy the finest quality car care products you can buy at griotsgarage.com.
1: Season for Speed is asking. Well, he's noticed that we don't recommend the Audi S4 hardly ever. A car that can come in manual or auto. V8 for around 10 grand and V6 for around 20 or 25,000. Mm-hmm. Has all wheel drive. It's even rear biased with a V6. Mid-size or even smaller category. I'm guessing you you have
0: one. He clearly likes Audis. I'm thinking so. I I get that sense.
1: Well, he's wondering other than an M3, what would you put in that price range for a better all around daily that still has the ability to hammer a corner, tackle 300 miles on the freeway. And he's, he's saying, well, we've always said cars that are overlooked and aren't the leaders in their segment are, you know, they can't be ignored necessarily, Mm -hmm. but with depreciation, he says he doesn't think that car can be beaten in the snow belt for money. An Interesting challenge for us. We have, as a matter of fact, we drove a locally owned S4 with a manual. With an RS4. That was a very fun piece. Compared to the RS4. So both those cars, as a matter of fact, that you're talking about. And we liked them. We liked them a lot. Mm-hmm. I do love Audis. It just seems that Audi has always taken a bit of a different direction as far as their ethos. It's now become very much pushed towards tech. Mm-hmm. And we could see the entire Audi lineup becoming all electric at some point. Maybe. Yeah. We'll see. But it's not like they set out to be the driver's car that BMW has always been. That's fair. It's never been their their mantra, their thinking necessarily. Mm-hmm. It's been more of the the higher end, all-arounder. Sure, it'll do the corners and, it, mm-hmm. you know, oh, all-wheel drive. It's what we're known for. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, got yeah. That rally breeding. It's got that long-distance high-speed thing. We always joke that when you're driving on the Autobahn in Germany – you're always going to be passed, usually by a black Audi doing That's 180.
0: why you must get out of the way, because the black Audi is coming. It, yes. it really does
1: happen. So it has that kind of perception, sort of not necessarily the track focused kinds of things, even though they're good at track use and yeah. know, their campaign. And I love DTM as much as anybody. <laughs> but <laughs> when we're looking for certain things as far as dynamics, that engine is ahead of the front axle. It's either over or ahead of the front axle. I love all-wheel drive cars as well, but that changes the dynamics a it does. lot. It does. It's not just a little bit. It changes it quite a bit. Many people love them for that combination, and we're not saying they're bad in any way. They're great for many people. It's just not that thing I think either you or I are looking for in many of our recommendations always. They're not.
0: Here's, here's the thing about them. I think he's right that they are fantastic winter cars and fantastic winter bargains. But the problem is the more affordable your Audi, says me, the guy that had a very affordable Audi, the more (laughs) affordable your Audi, the more potential bill there'll be for keeping your affordable Audi running.
1: I had one
0: and it was shocking compared to everything else I've ever driven. And I know other people that have had the same issue. If you get up into the RS models, they start to be hammers with a lot of power. And they become fun because they have so much power going through all the wheels and they just kind of beat the earth into submission. But below that, they kind of have they have an air of Volkswagen about them where they're incredibly competent, but they just missed fun. That's my problem. Now, sometimes you can find them with manual transmission. The one that we had for our piece we did on YouTube a few years ago was manual transmission. I actually like that old V8 RS4 a lot. That's one of my, like, random cars. But you come back to the dynamics point, Paul, that you mentioned. They aren't driver's car balanced first. And they get away oh. with it well because they're all-wheel drive. If they were rear-wheel drive, yeah. they would be uncomfortable to throw around because of where the engines are and the fact that they naturally want to understeer the all-wheel drive gets them around that so when i'm shopping driver's car first i don't naturally gravitate toward those Audis. if what you're doing in it is i've got to go distance i've got to get through the snow you're right it's a compelling car Did you see Mm -hmm. the question that tacked onto this, though?
1: Yeah, go for
0: it. Vacatino said, okay, hang on. They also never recommend the 2011 Saab 9.3 Aero, even though we do recommend the Saab 9.2X. (laughs) He's kind of saying, so what's up with that? I'll give you an answer. (laughs) Because the Saab 9.2X is essentially just a Subaru. So when you need a part, it's just a part for a Subaru. Yeah. You just walk into auto parts. I used to do this, walk in the auto parts store, and they said, what's your car? And I'd say, it's an 05 Subaru WRX. It wasn't and it, it was fits. a sob sitting in the parking lot yep. but that part was cheap and very available especially here in the rocky mountains it's like oh we got a we got a stack of those in the exactly. back we were using them for firewood so they've got a lot of them exactly. the the sob 93 aero very cool car it needs somebody that wants a sob wants to find yeah. parts for a sob wants to have a sob it doesn't take away the fact that it's good it's just that takes it, it's like an rx7 very good. Takes a specific owner. So it's difficult for me to be like, you know what? You need to buy an old Saab. Your 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 brother-in-law is now obsessed.
1: <laughs> he is. But you just you have is. to want the Saab. I will give a shout out to the Saab community. My brother-in-law is Daniel and he has a 1988 Saab 900 turbo convertible mm-hmm. that he bought on kind of a whim. 1500 bucks. The owner didn't think the convertible top worked and lo and behold it did. So Daniel thinks he could have actually paid more for it, but he didn't 1500 bucks. And the idea was to teach the kids to drive stick. Mm -hmm. He's fallen in love with that. But what he's done is fallen in love with the sob community. And I will give a big shout out Mm -hmm. to the sob community based on the stories that Daniel has told me, Mm -hmm. because he says all over the world on this Facebook group, they just want to help. Mm -hmm. You're looking for a part. You're looking for something. You want to share something in your life. Everybody's into it. They're interested and they're helpful people and they're, just a wonderful community. I like that that can be found in many car communities. Sure. It's not yeah, yeah. exclusive, but I like that Saab carries that on and it is lit his fire. As a matter of fact, he sent me another listing for another <laughs> slightly newer. Oh, well, actually it was an older, but slightly less mileage. He, Cause Saab he needs another one.
0: Could we get him in yeah. another brand just to show him that there are other fun cars out there too. It's just, it's just essentially his first fun car it ever. Kind of is. And he's yeah. like,
1: I didn't know I could just wail on the turbo and, you know, it just keeps running. They were really well built. And, you know, he's just – my dad gave him a Saab repair manual for Christmas. <clears throat> he's into it. This is what I was
0: telling my wife is that we know what to give for birthdays and Christmases for my father forever. It's all Corvette-related stuff. <laughs> exactly. He's going to be wearing Corvette head-to-toe. It's going to be because his family bought it all for him. But exactly. because we're going to buy it as gifts, he's going to wear it. What don't you have? Socks. There we go. Corvette socks. <laughs> Next on Christmas on the is handled. <laughs>
1: Or am is asking our thoughts on Porsche's possible replacement fuel for internal combustion engines. I just like the hope. Mm, mm. And I like what they're doing to look back in their catalog and support all of their cars. I feel like Porsche does that better than anybody. I agree. I don't see any other car manufacturer going, you know what? I care about our 1980s. Nobody's doing that. They certainly
0: do it. Here's the thing. Other manufacturers sometimes do it for a very special car. Okay, fair. but Porsche just says our lineup. We want to support it. We want to keep them on the road,
1: which I like. Which and is I, very I like cool. It. it fulfills kind of both. They're they're mm-hmm. pointed in, you know, the right direction, and and they they, they're acknowledging everybody, enthusiasts at all levels. Because yep. again, I think sound is going to be a big issue, mm-hmm. and the lack thereof. People are still going to want to buy sound.
0: Interesting. Interesting. Kyle JF90 says, is it normal to be nervous going from front-wheel drive hot hatch to a rear-wheel drive sports car as your only car? Kyle, you don't mention if you're dealing with weather, if that's part of your concern, but let me see if I can unpack this a little bit. We, as the collective car people, probably by our parents, have been scared out of rear-wheel drives. There was a time (laughs) in this country... When almost everything on the road was rear-wheel drives. Yeah. And while cars weren't nearly as safe as they are now, it wasn't like roadway chaos out there. When people had wrecks, they were worse because the cars were not as safe. But it wasn't like, thank God we got front-wheel drive so people quit having accidents. That wasn't the case. (laughs) They did front-wheel drive because it was more efficient for the cars to be built. That's really the whole reason that it took over. We could actually package it all. Look at the original Mini. We could package it all right up front over the front wheel. The back axle is essentially just a trolley wheels hanging on for dear life. It doesn't have to do anything. Everything got simplified. Now everything's front wheel drive. Then, I don't know if you heard the message. Subaru put it out there. Mm-hmm. We all need all wheel drive or we're going to die. I I appreciate so much. I appreciate the fact that Subaru has a lineup that is entirely, entirely, get your all-wheel drive here because that's where safety comes. And in the corner (laughs) is a fantastic rear-wheel drive driver's car thanks to Toyota partnership. Mm -hmm. And when I had my FRS and many people that saw BRZs, they looked at them, especially in the winter, were like, oh, I didn't know that was was all-wheel drive. And I was like, it's not. It's rear-wheel drive. And it was sold at Subaru. Craziness. By now. (laughs) So... All of this to say, Kyle, I don't think you should be nervous. I understand it's a new experience, and the car will drive different. Ease your way in. But there is nothing inherently more dangerous about rear-wheel drive. And I submit to you that once you get good at rear-wheel drive, you will probably prefer it. I understand it will be different. Just go slow. Ease
1: your way into it. There's a question on here. I'm going to tread carefully from Vargo Daniel. Okay. Who's heard me recommend premium fuel in past podcasts. Why is that? He's got a 2020 Jetta GLI, which only requires regular, but the manual states that horsepower and torque measurements were made using premium fuel. Again, walking carefully, I am not an engineer. I don't come from the fuels and oil industry. Jason uh, Minsky has covered this at length, I'm sure. Jason has, so I will touch on this briefly, and I will start out by saying it doesn't create premium performance unless an engine is specifically designed to take advantage of that higher octane fuel. Oh, that's a good
0: good way to sum it up. I like that.
1: But generally speaking, and it's not always easy to find the breakdown per company, mm-hmm. but that premium fuel comes with more additives, higher quality additives. Sure, yeah. That's what makes it that premium price. It's it's the additives. It's the way you can think about engine oil. It contains the base oil to make the right viscosity, but then the additives make the right performance level for oh, that car. That's going. that's why they recommended going, you know, yeah. various mm-hmm. not just viscosity, but that type of oil for that car. So factory fill uses, you know, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. That same kind of thinking can be applied to this. But I will defer to Jason, who is an engineering expert. Yes. But Mazda does the same thing. Mm -hmm. With that new Mazda 3 Turbo, they specifically recommend that fuel, but it's also – it doesn't make your car not run if you put the lower octane fuel in. You could put regular in
0: it. It just won't give you everything that's advertised unless it's premium. I think it's
1: actually 93. It's 93, even though around here in Utah we only get 91. But – Unless your car is specifically designed for it, it's not really going to take advantage of it. But I do like what the premium fuel does just for longevity of engines and those additives, those fuel cleaning additives in that performance fuel and that premium fuel. Well
0: done, sir. See you in hell, by the way, spelled S-E-A. See you in hell. Has a great question. He said, Is there a time of year when he and his wife can come to Utah and get in on the end of the ski season, (laughs) but still use Turo or Haggerty Drive Share and rent something cool and enjoy great roads? The short answer is no. (laughs) Because the problem is the problem is that all of our really good roads are closed. By I'm going to make an exception here, but most of them are closed for winter and not plowed and not cleared until they melt off enough, and that is typically late May. By late May, the good skiing is done. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the alternative I will give you. If you come out a little earlier than that, come out late April. Some of the ski resorts are actually closed by tax day, mid-April, but come out late April. Some of the higher elevation ski areas are still open in Utah, and then – Here's the trick. You're going to have to drive two or three hours south of Salt Lake. Mm-hmm. And now mm-hmm. the roads down there are open and the ski areas up in Salt Lake are also open. That's about the only way to pull it off. Otherwise, if you want to do it the same area at the same time of year, it's kind of impossible.
1: It's that Utah version of what California does, that mm-hmm. ski and surf in the same day totally. kind of thing. It's, it's that sort of thing. The, that Utah version of that. I've got a last question from Lawrence D. who's saying, We don't recommend the Viper very often. The older ones are a lot of car for the money. Is that because it's such a beast to handle or because it appeals to a very specific type of driver? I think you've hit on really both. It's uh, it's a lot of car. It's an engine wearing a car like a cape. It flaps in the breeze behind the engine. So what kind of driver is that? And admittedly, we have not driven Vipers of any sort. Well, you, I did on the track. You did on the track. You had the it's GTS. It's a lot of car. It's a lot of car. It's an extremely capable car. It's not in the recipe of that lighter weight handling balance kind of thing that we look for or anything beyond the the hammer everywhere. And so I think to recommend a Viper, that's kind of what you're looking for. You're just attracted to that recipe really is a specific type of buyer guys. Thank you so much for all your questions. Keep asking. We're thrilled to begin embark on season nine and continue our podcast series. We've got a lot of guests lined up and, looking forward to surprising everybody with uh with people that we've got on thank you so much cheers everyone